Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Ah, that's right. Hour number two, my friends. Hour number two of At Your Service tonight here on KMOX. Greg Damon hanging out with you all the way till 10 o'clock tonight. On this beautiful Thursday night, uh, right here in the heart of Mid America, nine oh six is your time. We're going to keep it going all the way till ten o'clock. As I said tonight, all sorts of great stuff coming up on the program. But uh, I got to tell you what we're going to we're <laughs> we're going to talk a little thing. Uh, we're going to talk about something that that most people you're addicted to it. You need it every day. You need it to stay awake. We're going to talk coffee here on uh, on KMOX is at your service. Frank McGinney from Caldy's Coffee has uh, kind enough to been uh, hang out with us here tonight. Frank, uh, thanks for coming out and hanging out with us on KMOX. Yeah, excited to be here. So Caldy Coffee, obviously locally owned coffee company, uh, several locations around town. I got to tell you from people that I know, say it's pretty pretty darn good. Yeah, we appreciate it. Yeah, the company's been around since 94. So it started over uh, in the Demon neighborhood just you know, on the other side of Forest Park there, a little coffee shop. Um, used to roast coffee, which we can talk about later in the in the night, but we used to roast coffee in the shop. Kind of the business expanded and uh, now have uh, 10 cafes in St. Louis. We got one on Mizzou's campus, and then we have currently three and soon to be two more down in Atlanta. Uh, just talking with you before, I never really knew how much uh, Caldy was really all across the world. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting business. We we deal with things on an international level. You know, chefs always talk about farm to table. We deal with that, but our farms just happen to be in Ethiopia and Brazil and El Salvador. So we look at this as a global business, um, but we've been able to build the business, you know, regionally, really. I mean, majority of our, our business for Caldi's was in probably a 100-mile radius of St. Louis. But through a new unique relationship we had with Washington University, we ended up down on Emory University's campus in Atlanta. So we've been down there for probably seven years and then kind of expanding that market. But, you know, there's a lot of a lot of growth happening in Atlanta. It's obviously a big city with a lot of international travel. So we see that as a, a next big move for the company. And is that uh, is that the, the goal for Caldi now is just to keep expanding? Yeah, I think, you know, expansion regionally for Caldi's as a brand, I think as a company, probably some acquisitions, if we were to grow, would be the next big move. There's probably some other, uh, probably some companies in our industry, same size, maybe a little bit smaller, um, that maybe look into sell or make a change. And I think we could look at 
what we've built with Caldies and essentially copy paste into another market, maybe under a different brand, uh, just to have some equity in the market. Yeah. What about St. Charles County? Let's talk about that. Yeah, actually, we are building our first drive through, which we've never done. But I think um, those of us at a leadership level that are now with kids and playing chauffeur drive throughs are pretty <laughs> nice. Uh, so we're building one right now in Ellisville. Should be open I'll say June to be safe. Yeah, my, my wife's already looking at that because her mom lives there. Yeah, we're excited. So that should open, and we're hoping by the end of the year we're going to actually have one in St. Charles County. We've got a space picked out. Uh, the property's been signed on in conjunction with another business. So if all goes well, we'll have the first drive through in Ellisville this summer, and then we'll actually have one in, in St. Charles County, uh, Q3, Q4. Now, will that be uh, will that be a drive through as well? It will, yeah. The property kind of lends itself to that. We feel that, you know, as people, consumers in general, have shifted their purchasing habits to being more drive through friendly uh, through the pandemic. We, we do feel that if we can take what we've done for the past 26 years – and not jeopardize quality, but apply it to the convenience of a drive-through. That's sure. a, a big win. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely all about convenience, no doubt about that for uh, for anybody. Just not just necessarily in coffee, but for for everybody around the uh, well around the country. Yeah, for sure. and, and all the both those locations, Ellisville and, and soon to be St. Charles, will have a full food menu, our bakery well, products, coffee, smoothies, the whole deal. So it'll be a, a modified version of say our big Kirkwood store, our big Chesterfield store. Uh, but the same same products, maybe just a little bit limited. Now, Frank, we've known each other for quite a long time. You know me. I, I got to tell you, you know, I I love everything about coffee. I love everything about it. I love the smell. I love the cups. I make coffee for my wife every day. I grind the beans. I make it for her every day, you know. And I and and I love going hanging out at coffee shops. I love everything about it. Everything about it except the taste. I cannot. <laughs> drink the coffee but the tea is amazing yeah and, and we do have a pretty awesome tea line we uh we actually partnered with a young lady in nashville about six or seven years ago that had her own tea company we just went into a joint venture with her I and mean, it's now warehoused here in st louis so it's called Firepot nomadic teas um so we've dabbled in that not even dabbled we'll we're full in the tea world but you know, it's funny how often I hear people say that it's you know the smell, the the ritual, the ambiance of coffee. I just I love can't everything. Get I do. Past it. My my wife makes fun of me constantly because <laughs> you know every three, four, five years I'll be like, you know, I think I'm going to try it. Yeah. She's like, you're not going to like it, and I'm like, no, nah, yeah. I'm like, here you go. <laughs> yeah. No, totally. And there's, I mean, there's an inherent bitterness to it, um, which I think is probably what most people can't get past. Um, you know, that's really where, you know, as, as Americans started drinking coffee more and more, that's where cream and sugar and all right. the additives kind of came in to mask that taste. Um, but, you know, at our level, we really look at, at coffee essentially like a sommelier would look at wine. So, like, we do these really uh, regimented tasting processes like a, a psalm would do with a blind wine tasting. We sure. do it for coffee. We call it a cupping. And we evaluate coffee on uh, basically, a, well, not basically, a 100-point scale. And we score coffee like a psalm would score wine. Uh, but we we talk about it more internally as an industry versus at a supermarket shelf. You'd see, oh, this is a 90-point wine. You'd rarely see that as a coffee uh, marketing term. But we use it to score the coffee. And then we're getting kind of down the road here. But coffee's traded as a commodity. It's just like gold and oil and wheat right. and everything else. So we look at it as a commodity trader or a stock trader would look at it the score that we give it on that one to 100 scale actually then is the differential above the C market in what we pay for the raw product. So we use the, we use the cupping process for flavor profiles, all the, you know, poetic descriptions you hear about a bag of coffee, 
that's where that comes from. But at the same time, it's also a big financial piece of what we do uh, because it, it essentially that score deems the price of the coffee by the pound raw. Uh, and we will contract coffee in the 10,000 pound increments based off of those scores and those dollar amounts. Wow. So, yeah, I did. Uh, I did a little research, and uh, I thought it was uh, pretty amazing that the United States imports three point three billion pounds of coffee a year. Yeah, no, it's a it's a big. I mean, it's internationally, it's a massive industry. I mean, if you think about all the parts of the world that produce coffee from, you know, from Asia to New Zealand, or uh, well, out just outside of New Zealand, Papua New Guinea to obviously Africa, where coffee started, and then you get into the South and Central Americas, and then in North America, the only place it's produced is Hawaii. So literally around the equator between the Tropic of Cancer and the Tropic of Capricorn is the coffee belt. Mm-hmm. Uh, so coffee is this really weak kind of diva of a plant that needs – for great coffee, it needs altitude. It needs moisture. It needs proper sunlight but also proper shade. Uh, we're just fortunate that, again, kind of back to that farm-to-table concept, coffee's always in season somewhere in the world. We just have to chase it seasonally as as the world turns different parts of the world are in season at different times of the year. I'm assuming that different parts of the world, the coffee tastes different from different parts of the world. Totally. So there's, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, so there's, there's region and terroir, like where, you know, parts of the world where it comes from, there's the soil it's grown in and then coffee. A lot of people have heard the term Arabica and Robusta. So those are essentially subspecies of coffee. So if you think, uh, say red apples and green apples, red apples taste different than green apples. Well, then you get into varietals, So you think of all the different kinds of green apples and all the different kinds of red apples. Coffee is the same. So there's Robusta and Arabica, and then there's hundreds of species under each one of those subspecies. Um, So as we look at flavor profiles, we do look at where in the world the coffee came from, what the environmental aspects of that year's harvest were, and then the varietal of the coffee will affect flavor. Uh, that's just uh, it's it's amazing all the stuff that that goes into it. We're going to take a little break, but we're going to come back. We're going to take some coffee or t- talk more about coffee you as well. Coffee. Uh, yeah, need some <laughs> coffee. Uh, it, you want to take some phone calls if folks have some questions? Yeah, I'd love to. That'd be all great. right, so folks, if you want to join us here on the program, you want to talk a little about uh, coffee, ask Frank some questions about coffee. Uh, 436-7900-1-800-925-1120-314-436-7900-1800-925-1120. Give us a call if you got any questions, and uh, we'll take a few phone calls with that as well. Stick around. We're KMOX at your service. We'll be back. At- Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. For these. is your time right here in the heart of mid-America. That's right, KMOX is at your service here on a beautiful Thursday night. Boy, I tell you, yesterday, kind of crazy. Now today, a little bit back to normal. Hopefully that's uh, going to be the norm from now on. I don't want to go right into summer, though. You know, I hate that when uh, you get about two weeks of spring and then you're right into summer. So I don't don't necessarily want to do that, but... Just my, uh, just give, just, that's just me on my soapbox. Hey, we're talking a little coffee. Frank McGinney's in from uh, Cauley's Coffee and been kind enough to come down and hang out with us. Uh, you know, that's something here for folks on the radio, Frank, that, I mean, that is like a life staple, especially the early morning people got to have the coffee going. Yeah, I bet, I bet. Um, no, we're, we're excited to be a part of anyone's lives. You know, I think, you know, being in St. Louis now for... 26 years as a brand, you know, we've seen a lot of, uh, a lot of growth, not just it with our business, but in the industry in general. Um, and it's, it's, it's fun to be out and about around the city and people pull you aside and, you know, you have a Caldi's t-shirt on or whatever, or, you know, we, we sponsor a bunch of different cycling teams and you see the jerseys right. out and about. It's, it's just cool to be a part of the fabric of St. Louis. Uh, and to also know they're probably fueling most of people's mornings. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so yeah, it, it's a good feeling. It's a it's a really fun industry to be a part of. But you know, we we love that our roots are here in St. Louis. I got to tell you, just on a personal note, I mean, I love the uh, place in Chesterfield. Uh, my wife and I go there and hang out, and you know, I'm eating and drinking tea, and she's down in the coffee and stuff like that, pastries. So uh, you know, I mean, it's uh, it, it's it's really great. I, I mean, like as I told you before, I mean, I I just I love everything about it. So yeah, no, the cafes are great. You know, they're really intended to be a a, a place for people to to meet and get to know one another and have meetings and you know meet new people or old friends or whatever it may be. Um, you know, between the, the actual coffee program, which we hang our hat on, but also you know we we do food, we do bakery. Um, you know, it's kind of a full gamut of menu. No, absolutely. Uh, there we go. Sorry, I had a little technical difficulty going on right there, but uh, we're good to go now. Hey, uh, uh, let Frank, I got a phone caller. Let's go to the phones and let's talk to David. Hey, David, guess what? You're up here. You got the poll position today on At Your Service on KMOX. 
Oh, I love it, and I love talking about coffee. But I want to talk about that breakfast sandwich you got going on. I stopped a couple of weeks ago in the in your uh, Central West End location, and I tried that sausage breakfast sandwich, and I've been telling people ever since I ate it about it, it's like the best thing I've ever eaten. Oh man, we really appreciate it. You know, it's uh, it's something we feel that. You go to some of the bigger cities, say New York, L.A., Chicago, you know, some of these places can kind of get by on just coffee and maybe some bakery. But, you know, being in the Midwest, we really wanted to double down on having a full food program, breakfast, lunch, um, never to to exceed the coffee experience, but to be right there with it. So we spend a lot of time on our food programs. We probably spend as much, if not more, on our bakery programs. Uh, So every cafe that we have has its own bakery in-house. A lot of people may or may not know that. There's one thing we talk about a lot is, you know, for all the effort and work we put into having a baker at each store every morning at 4 a.m., does the customer actually understand that that's happening? So whether or not people know it, we are baking every morning in each shop. Uh, and then the food program, you know, every every shop has a full kitchen. Um, you know, it's cafe menu, so it's nothing overly extravagant. But like you said, if it's a breakfast sandwich, we want the better, to be the best one we can come up with. Yeah, that's uh, it's pretty amazing. As I said, you know, we like going there. And, I mean, it, for us, it's a destination. You know, it's like, hey, we got some free time. Our kids aren't doing any sports today. Let's go, uh, you know, let's go treat ourselves. So, I mean, that's one of the reasons we like going to the, the you know, the one there in Chesterfield. It's spacious, outdoor seating, indoor seating. Uh, everybody's friendly as well. So. Yeah, no, and, and that's one thing. We've got an awesome team. You know, we really spend a lot of time, obviously, on training on, you know, all the barista skills and everything else. But one thing we, we really – try to focus on is the guest experience. You know, the coffee can only be so good. And, you know, we tell or talk to our team a lot about the fact that, you know, you can make the greatest drink in the world and then coffee can come from, you know, Kenya and all these kind of fancy things. But if if you're rude to the guest or if the music's too loud or the bathrooms aren't clean, there's all these little experiences that can deteriorate all the hard work that's gone into a cup of coffee or a latte or breakfast sandwich. So we really, really are grateful for the team we have. They love the hospitality piece of our business. Um, and we feel that that, you know, really helps elevate the overall experience. No, absolutely. And I think a lot of folks today are really, you know, <clears throat> it's not necessarily the, the cost of it, <clears throat> pardon me, but what they're looking for is that whole experience and that's what they want to do. Yeah. And we found people are willing to pay for, it. you know, we, we've never, um, We've never said that we're the the low co- cost provider on anything. I mean, you can go get a you know sure. can of Folgers and it it'll caffeinate you and it'll taste like coffee. Um, what about Sanka? <laughs> it's what my grandma drinks. It's drink. coffee. Uh, but yeah, we, you know, we really have found that you know if you if you deliver on what you're promising, you you're gonna do. You know, everything's gonna taste great. The barista is gonna be skilled. Everyone's gonna have a smile. All those things. You know, people are willing to pay within reason uh, for for an elevated experience. Sure. Now, uh, I wanted to ask you, you know, you kind of talked about farm to table kind of deal. And that's one thing that, that, that I was kind of curious about. Obviously, I assume it's just like any other produce. You want to get it, you know, as fresh as possible. So coming from, as you said, United States, Hawaii or anywhere in the coffee belt in the, in, you know, around the equator. I mean, it's got to be tough to be able to get that, get it, get it shipped right away and then get it right in so you can brew it. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are, I guess, uh, roasted. Yeah. I mean, I, I think a lot of people don't even like don't understand the complexity of just to get coffee to the United, like to get to St. Louis at our roastery in Midtown. Yeah, I, got, I was had the opportunity to go to Columbia, the country, a handful of years ago, and I got back and one of our roasters asked, he's like, you, "What's your takeaway? What'd you learn?" And I said, "You really, it shouldn't be able to happen." So I watched a young man handpick coffee off the the shrubs, the trees, put it in a little satchel, 
walk down the hill, literally put it on a donkey that took it down the rest this of the way. Juan Valdez. Right. <laughs> and then back of a truck to a port, it gets sorted and, you know, all the things that happen at processing. Then it somehow gets to New Orleans and it's held there and then it gets on a train to St. Louis and then we finally get it and it ends up in my mom's vanilla latte. <laughs> so it just the logistics of I mean, a lot of the, the coffee producing countries and, and some of the great coffee producing countries in the world are third world countries. And we're talking Ethiopia, Burundi, Rwanda I mean, places that have seen and always historically had some hard times, but they produce this just incredible product. And somehow, some way, a coffee bean, coffee cherry that's picked in Ethiopia ends up in Chesterfield. It's crazy. It's really it's, crazy. It's to really think about crazy. It. And when you get to see it firsthand, it makes it even more baffling. I, I assume coffee's more like a fruit than it is like a, yeah, you know a bean. It actually is. So coffee is it's the seed. What we know is coffee is the seed of a fruit. Somewhere down the line, it got turned into being called a bean. Uh, but they grow two peas to a pod, so that's typically why there's a flat side to a coffee bean. Uh, and there's a it's probably about the size of a of a cranberry fruit okay. that surrounds it. And when it's ripe, it's the scarlet red color that a cranberry is. There's it it can be eaten, but there's not much to eat. So if you bite into it, it's kind of juicy, but you immediately hit the bean, the seed. Uh, so like as we were on the farm, we'd grab one and chew on it, and it's kind of sugary and sweet. Um, but there's even ways that it's called natural processing. So when the, the the cherries are picked, for natural processing, they actually leave the cherry on the fruit on these huge patios that they're size of like a school parking lot. And they'll allow the cherry to dry. And all the inherent sugar that's in the, the fruit, the flesh, will be absorbed by the coffee bean. And then when we get it, and if it's done properly, the coffee will taste like and smell like blueberries. Wow. It's not a flavor that's been added. But the inherent sugar that's in the actual fruit is allowed to dry through basically condensation or through evaporation and condensing the bean. All that sugar goes into the, the actual coffee bean, uh, and it gives it this incredible flavor. So, yes, it is a fruit. Uh, the, it grows on a, a tree or a shrub that, you know, typically about six feet high because they have to prune them so people can still hand pick them. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's a processing that happens at the farm, and then we get it, and then there's roasting. Uh, which is what we do at our our headquarters down in Midtown, and and how do, so you take the so you get these uh, like cherry things yeah. and then and then so how do you, do you separate the seeds from that then? So the 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 cherries are removed <laughs> at the at what's called a processing mill at usually at the country of origin. So when it's shipped to across the ocean or from Colombia to New Orleans, it's what people know in like the ubiquitous burlap bags. That's how we okay. get it. That's how it's shipped. So we get it. It's really this like perfect, almost green, golden seed bean. And then we roast it. So roasting works almost kind of like. I tell you what, I'm going to stop you. Yeah, Let's yeah, take a quick break, and then we'll come back and talk a little about roasting coffee here. This is uh, KMOX is at your service. My name is Greg Damon. Frank McGinney's in from Collie's Coffee, and we're talking coffee. If you want to join us, 314-436-7900, 1-800-925-1120. We'll be back after these. That's right, KMOX is at your service here tonight on a beautiful Thursday evening. Greg Damon hanging out with you till 10 o'clock. We're talking a little coffee. That's right, everybody needs... Whoop, whoop, I don't even know what I'm doing here anymore. 
Only 21 years. You think I know how to do this? I only use four buttons. I'm, one of these days, I'm going to figure it out. Uh, but uh, welcome back. We're talking a little coffee that uh, everybody needs that caffeine in the morning. And Frank McGinney's in from Caldy's Coffee again. Uh, Frank, thanks for coming down and hanging out with us. Yeah, happy to be here. So uh, we we're kind of talking a little bit about roasting uh, the coffee, what you guys do in your midtown. Yeah, so we've got a, a, our headquarters. It's uh, right I don't know, down the street from Ikea is probably the best way to put it in, okay. in Midtown St. Louis. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's my office. That's kind of where the hub of the entire company happens, but it's also where we roast. Right, right there where the Cauley sign is yep. on, on uh, 40 there. That's the one. You can usually smell it. So, uh, so yeah, roasting's interesting. So it's it's the cooking, essentially, process of taking the raw agricultural product that we get in from around the world and turning it into what people know as coffee beans, um, so it works. I don't know. The best thing I've had it compared to is like an air popcorn popper. So it's this massive drum. So we have a, a 22 kilo roaster, a small one, and then we have a 75 kilo. So a 75 kilo will do one of the big bags of burlap coffee that people know at a time. So a single roast will do 75 kilos or about 150 pounds. Okay. Uh, so there's open flame underneath this barrel and there's a huge sweeping arm, kind of like a clothes dryer inside. And the guys will fill the barrel they're monitoring it just like a chef at a stovetop. So they're, we don't type in French roast and we walk away and it's done. They're literally manipulating open flame with three dials to control the temperature intensity and then also the airflow. So it works through convection heat, so like okay. a convection yeah. oven. And then there's a little bit of conductive heat when the beans actually hit the side of the metal. Uh, but 80 to 90% of it's actually convection. So average roast takes about 15 minutes. So we're doing 150 pounds at a 15-minute clip. Um, what's something? One thing that's interesting is we lose about 13% weight due to evaporation. So really? there's a lot of moisture in coffee because, like we said, it's the seed sure. of a fruit. So when you roast it and it's crunchy and crackly when you get it and you grind it, we if we put 100 pounds in raw, we'll get 87 pounds out roasted. So the guys are doing a lot of math, a lot of calculations, a lot of ro- uh, kind of ratio manipulation as they're going through this roasting process. Well, coffee roaster is not going to be my thing. You said math there. Yeah, so. right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun. And there's no school for it. You know, you don't go to coffee roaster right. school. I mean, being a chef, you can go to culinary school or uh, a tradesman, you can go to you know trade school. But this is really done through just apprenticeship and being around it. And you kind of learn from your mentors and those who've been doing it for a while. And And there's obviously everyone puts their own twist on it. But we've got software that tracks kind of the trajectory and the temperature of the roasts. But again, like a chef at a stovetop, they are they're manipulating the heat throughout the entire process. Sure. Yeah. Now, I mean, I, <clears throat> how often do you roast it? I mean, is it every day? Is uh, it twenty four yeah. hours a day? We're Monday through Friday. We usually run five a.m. <clears throat> until about three p.m. and then we do cleaning from three to five or six. Uh, both the roasters we use. The smaller one is built in nineteen fifties. And then the big one, the 75 kilo, was actually built in 1937. Wow. So a lot of cast iron. They don't make them like this anymore. And actually, the the company that builds them is called Probat. They say nine out of every 10 cups of coffee is roasted on a Probat. German company. And actually, during World War II, their factory was bombed. So all of the schematics and kind of manuals for this specific 1937 roaster were destroyed. Wow. So we have a metal smith on speed dial. If we need something <laughs> made, we literally have to have it crafted by this guy in town, uh, which is cool to say, but it's a pain in the butt to deal with. I bet. So, But it's cool. It's a gorgeous machine. We're really proud of it. Yeah, that is uh, – it's unbelievable. Hey, I want to thank you so much for coming down and hanging out with us, talking a little about coffee. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
I've got some more questions I want to talk to you about. We'll have you back on and uh, and talk about that as, as soon as possible. For folks that want more information about Caldi's, where can they go? Yeah, caldiescoffee.com is our website. It has all our location information for the cafes. Every cafe has a menu link, but also if you want to buy coffee and have it shipped to your house. Oh, wow. Um, okay. we, we do a pretty substantial e-commerce business. Uh, so all of our products, T-shirts, merchandise, obviously coffee, the tea we talked about is all available through yes. caldiescoffee.com. All right. Frank, thanks so much for joining us here on the program. Thank you. All right. That's our good friend Frank McGinney from Caldi's Coffee. Hey, coming up next, actually right now, we're going to talk with uh, David Scharf. As you know, David, he's been a, a regular here on the program uh, and we're going to talk a little horse racing. That's right, as uh, as I like to call him, Average Joe Gambler. But uh, David has a, a show on uh, uh, over on 9.20 a.m. and 104.5 over on VEASAN in St. Louis here. And uh, he's been kind enough to join us. The Winning Ticket is the name of his uh, program. David, thanks for coming down and hanging out with us. Let's talk a little uh, horse racing. Obviously, uh, the biggest event. Biggest horse racing event is coming. I shouldn't say that. It's it's one of the biggest events in the in the country. It's it's, Ken- it's definitely the most well known in the world. Yeah, the the Kentucky Derby's coming. Yeah. It's like the Indianapolis Five Hundred for horse racing. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait. Now, I know you can't wait because you've been <laughs> you've been bouncing off the walls since you've been here. Uh, but uh, so I'm going to talk a little about uh, a little bit about horse racing. Uh, I think it's a sport that that many people really don't know much about. Unless they see, you know, on TV, obviously you may watch the three big races that they show on TV for the Triple Crown. But really, I mean, there's local horse racing going on all over the country. Yeah, all over the country, all the time. Uh, many tracks every single day, uh, 365. Yeah, it's a, it's kind of an amazing thing. And, and you know, local owners uh, having uh, horses here, you know, right over here in our backyard, over in Illinois, uh, over at Fairmont Park. One of the greatest places to go, by the way. You can take your kids, kids-friendly, and have a great time. Uh, not too expensive as well. Uh, but, you know, it's it's really nice to go over and see that and to see these beautiful animals that just, uh, man, they can they can speed down the front stretch. Yeah, you, you can't really appreciate until you see it in person. And Fairmont does a great job. It's now Fandle. It's now Fandle, and it they do a great job. Uh, they have a little shorter fields, you know, only four, five, six horses. But you get the same experience. It's It's unbelievable watching these horses come down the stretch. You know, some of the wire in, especially if you have a little money on it. <laughs> well, remember, there's no oh, wagering yeah. here on, oh, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, no, on, on the at your service show. I apologize. No, just kidding. No, you can. We'll, we'll talk a little <laughs> bit more about that anyway. But uh, you know, it's a lot of fun to go. I I, I think it's really cool. Uh, you know, my kids really love to go over and see the horses. As I said, just beautiful animals. I, I think what's really funny is you know you you kind of look at some of these horses and they know that they're racing and they know that they want to be out front. Well, yeah, they're bred for this. They absolutely love it. Uh, yeah, I they, they want to be out there, and they want to run at all times. So they, they enjoy it. They absolutely love the competition. There are some that, that don't want that don't want to run, but they find that out earlier in their career that they're, they're not made for that. But for the most part, most of them, that's what they want. That's what they want to do. That's what they're bred to do. Obviously, the Lexington Stakes, which is coming up here, uh, the last shot to get into the Derby. Tell us a little about that. Yeah, so this is the last... You have to earn points to get into the Derby, and this is the last shot coming up this Saturday, the Lexington Stakes at Keeneland. And there's a horse I want to talk about, Ethereal Road, and and this horse is trained by D. Wayne Lucas. And this horse, I've been talking about this on my show, and I was down at Oakland, got a chance to see the horse. And this horse has got a couple bad rides, and this is his last opportunity for Dean Wayne Lucas to get uh, You in. mean bad rides? You mean like a, a, the a jockey. bad jockey? Is? Yeah, the jockey's... Okay. Jo- and. Absolutely, this horse had a shot. What, to, is a guy like me, my size? 
No, young young rider, uh, inexperienced. I'm just going to plow right through that. That's right. So, <laughs> young rider, inexperienced, and I was I, I've been questioning uh, why D. Wayne Lucas has has used this rider, and in this race he has switched to an experienced uh, Derby winning rider, Victor Espinoza, and this horse is Morning Line ten to one, and I just think this horse has a real shot uh, to win. It needs to win to have any shot of going to the Kentucky Derby. Uh, but that's going to be my pick in the Lexington Stakes this weekend. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you about. Obviously, Victor Espinosa. Many people may know that. I recognize the name, obviously, <clears throat> as uh, as being one of the jockeys. So, if you're a horse owner, you get a, I guess, essentially pick your jockey or pay that guy to ride your horse. Is that what happens? Yeah, that's exactly what happens. They get a minimal fee. All these jockeys, I don't care how famous they are or how unknown they are, they get a minimal fee to ride the horse. Uh, top five in the Kentucky Derby owners get a paycheck. They get a piece of the purse, and the jockey will get 10% of that. Okay. All the rest of the jockeys, they'll probably get around 100 to $150, whatever the fee is at Churchill Downs, to ride the horse in the Kentucky in, Derby. In the Kentucky Derby. Yep. So no. if you if you finish ninth in Kentucky Derby, you're going to make 150 bucks. That's exactly correct. Wow. Yep. I would have yep. never— As the jockey. I would have never, ever thought that. Yep. Mm-hmm. I would have I thought that, especially if you're on a stage like the Kentucky Derby, that you would, uh, you know— Garner some sort of money. So they're independent contractors. Okay. Uh, and when it comes to the the races, uh, the Kentucky Derby is basically the same as any other race. They're, they're, they're there to ride. And the Kentucky Derby is just more prestigious. It's the most famous race in the world. And they will get paid a lot more money if they win. So they get 10% of the owner's share. Okay. And the trainer gets 10% of the owner's share. So let's say it's a million-dollar race. $600,000 goes to the winning owner. 60000 goes to the trainer. 60000 goes to the jockey. And that's how they get paid. And then the jockey has to pay his agent through there. Oh, I got you. So it's just, it's all a shell game. That's what it is. If that's the way you <laughs> want to put it. <laughs> David, I got to take, I got to do some business here. Hang with me some more. We got some more stuff to talk about. Yep. All right. Fantastic. Folks, we're visiting with David Scharf. He has a show over on, uh, on VEASAN. It's uh, called The Winning Ticket. Winning Ticket. And uh, he's been kind enough to hang out with us, talk a little horse racing, Kentucky Derby coming up. Stick around. More to come. Welcome back, everybody. KMOX is at your service. That's right. We're into the last turn, getting ready to turn down the home stretch as uh, we have David Scharf in the house, and we're talking a little uh, horse racing here. Uh, he is the host of the winning ticket over on Vison St. Louis. And, David, thanks again for uh, coming in and hanging out with us here on uh, KMOX is at your service. Yeah, I love coming on and, and talking horses with you. Well, it's so you, much fun. I, I got to tell you, you... you <laughs> For folks that don't know David, I mean, he lives, eats, breathes this stuff and like uh, bounces off the walls. And, you know, it's like a, I got to come, you know, I got to I, I got to calm him down like, David, this show's not for eight hours yet. Well, you know, where I, I stay at home and where in my basement is is basically a, a race book. Yeah, I figured yeah. it's probably like a, you know, yeah. it, it looks like Las Vegas and the sports book. Yeah, it does. And I'm very fortunate the, that I have a a partner that uh, puts up with that. So, uh, yeah, I'm very fortunate. And I do live, I breathe and, and eat horse racing. I, yeah. Ever since I've met you, <laughs> that's, all, <laughs> that's all, all you tell me about. So, anyway, so, so, well, speaking of that, let's just jump right into it. Anything, uh, I know the Derby's still out. Uh, anything, any horses maybe that, uh, you know, you're kind of saying, hey, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, with all these prep races, it's, you know, uh, for somebody from the outside, it's hard to, you know, there's so much to watch, so much information to take in, and the odds the odds aren't even out yet for hey, the Kentucky Derby. I'm, I'm into it. I buy a book, uh, you know, I buy the bookie sheet over at uh, over at Fairmont. Yeah, give me a call before you buy it. <laughs> no, seriously, uh, you know, we're we're three weeks out. 
You know, the odds haven't been set. The field hasn't even been set yet. You know, with this qualifying race on Saturday, the Lexington Stakes, uh, we don't know exactly who's going to be in. Uh, we know the major players that are going to be in. And there's a few that I was looking at, and two have revoked from the field. They have left, and they've decided, the trainers have de- and the owners have decided not to participate in the Derby because of their last performances. And kind of curious, you know, who the speed is going to be because those both those horses were the speed of the field. Wow. Yeah, so it kind of changes everything. I, I had a horse named Barber Road that I was interested in. And uh, Barber Road is a closer and has done really good in his last few races. And now I don't know what to do. I don't know how the field's not completely set. Like we said, we're not set from the sure. Lexington Stakes. I don't know who's – there's uh, 30 horses, over 30 horses with points. So I don't know – well, the field's not set, so I don't know about the speed. So I don't know if I still can look at that horse or not. Uh, but there, there is a few horses that I, I absolutely love, and, and Zandon is, is, is one I'm really looking at. Okay. And I don't, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but Zandon, Z-A-N-D-O-N, uh, trained by Chad Brown. Uh, this horse uh, just won the bluegrass, and the bluegrass is in Lexington – and uh, this horse just absolutely dominated this field, but he's a closer, and he comes from far back. And that's what it means is that towards the end of the race, this is when he makes his move that, up. To the that front. is correct. And and with a twenty horse field, you really got to do some maneuvering, and you have to have a strong pace up front, and you have to have the speed in the race to set up for a closer. Uh, this horse was so impressive. I'm still probably going to be looking at him no matter how the field is set. He's so impressive. And this other horse named Epicenter, uh, this horse has done nothing wrong. He won his maiden race last year as a two-year-old at Churchill, familiar with the track, has gone on to do great things, uh, just won the Louisiana Derby. Uh, this horse looks looks like the real deal, might be the favorite in the, in the Kentucky Derby. And I'm not I'm not a favorite guy, uh, and I'll be looking outside of that, you know, sure. for my plays. But uh, these two horses are two of the horses that I'm, I'm really looking at and really impressed. Uh, the Wood Memorial that ran in New York last week is – it's just not been one of the best prep races for the for the Kentucky Derby. The horses come out. It's just it's not one of the best prep races. So I'm kind of going to leave those horses completely out. Um, yeah. That, so those are the two that I'm I'm looking at. Well, we got about uh, two minutes, real quick. I want to ask you about uh, everybody's favorite trainer, Bob Baffert. I mean, you know, he, he kind of got in some trouble after the last Derby, and then. I mean, it's just it's just kind of a scandal kind of deal. Yeah, so so I'll make this quick. Uh, Bob Baffert is suspended till 2024 in Kentucky, cannot run, and he lost his appeal. So what he does is with his owners, he's still got some loyal owners out on the West Coast. Well, he's obviously a great trainer. He, he is a great trainer. And uh, what he did is he turned over his whole stock uh, for the next 90 days, his whole stock for the next 90 days to serve a suspension. But in Kentucky, if he wants to go to Kentucky, he had to turn over. The owners had to move his horses to a trainer named Tim Yachtine. So this guy used to be an assistant trainer for Bob Baffert. So this makes sense, right? Uh, they're not allowed to speak. They're not allowed to talk about it. So this guy, I'm sure, got instructions beforehand, before that uh, suspension went into place. And this guy's now uh, on the front page of all the newspapers. So uh, I'm excited to see what he can do. I mean, you've got Bob Baffert horses. Uh, they both just ran in the Kentucky, uh, not the Kentucky Derby, the Santa Anita Derby. And they ran one too. And this one that I really like, T- Taba, uh, won the Santa Anita Derby, uh, but he had only run one race, his maiden race before. Only one run, wow. one race. And his second race, he won the Santa Anita Derby. So it's very hard for a horse that's only won two races to go on to win the Kentucky Derby. But this horse is talented. That's uh, that's crazy. That's crazy to think that. That's for sure. Uh, I tell you what, we got about uh, thirty seconds here for folks. Want more information? Maybe want to try to you know get you to give them some sort of odds or something. No, I'm just kidding. You <laughs> want to do that? But uh, 
Where can they get a hold of you, David? Yeah, uh, my website's thewinningticket21.com. And uh, I'll, you can just leave me an e- email, get a hold of me that way, and we have all our podcasts. Everything you need to know about us is on the winningticket21.com. Well, that's what I was going to ask. You do have the podcast put up there as well? Yeah, so we post it pretty much immediately right after our live show. All right. Well, fantastic. Your next show is Saturday? Yep. Saturday, 9 to 11. All right. Yep. So you folks out there interested in horse racing, maybe you want to check it out and see what uh, what David has to say about that. If uh you know, we may have him back on before the Derby and just uh, kind of get some insights as well. David, again, thanks so much for hanging out with us here tonight. Always a blast with you, Greg. Thank you so much. All right. That's our good friend David Scharf over on the winning ticket, my friends. Hey, that's going to about wrap up this edition of At Your Service. Hope you enjoyed it just as much as I did. You guys have a great Easter out there. Be nice to each other, man. I'm telling you, rude people all over the place. You guys got to be nice to each other. Let's try to change the culture. I think that's the way to go. Uh, you know, I preach that all the time. I think everybody should just... Just chill out. Everybody have some thicker skin. Have fun with each other. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.